Hello, friends, and welcome to another scintillating, captivating, imaginative episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. This is the 14th episode of season two. I am, I guess, the semi-host. I don't know. Clayton's out. What are we supposed to do, Justin? How, what do I do with my hands? Um, I have. I'm sitting on mine right now because I keep raising them awkwardly. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, this is so weird. No Clayton. It's been a while I, since I it's like been it. just us. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. It feels weird, doesn't it? <laughs> Where it's like no Clayton. Yeah, it's Ugh. strange. It's a strange phenomenon. Clay Clayton's on the DL this week. Um. But uh, don't you worry, Clayton will be off the DL soon. I'm not sure how it works. Actually, it's not called the it's DL the anymore, IL is now. it? Was <laughs> it the injured, injured list? list? The I IL, yeah. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, it's like something, something weird. But anyway, um, as always, feel free to send in your questions for us. We are extremely thirsty for attention from people who listen to us. Uh, <laughs> We're on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com slash batflips and maple dips, we're still there, even though we don't really use Facebook so much anymore. Uh, nobody does. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram. If you just go to at BFMD podcast, you will find us. Uh, for now, we're on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Yeah. Um, Thanks for taking the time to listen to our episode. Again, it feels really weird without Clayton here to, to bounce off of. So let's just get into the warm-up and <laughs> check in. Justin, what is on your mind this week? Um, two words, Star Wars. I don't know if anyone else has watched the trailer today. Um, I had the privilege of catching it live. And my goodness, my my hype levels are my S foils are set to attack position, and I'm fully fully pumped for this movie. Yeah, I also saw it live watching it, and uh, I don't want to spoil uh, anything about the movie just yet because it's <laughs> it's too soon. It's been less than six hours, I think, since the the um, teaser trailer yeah, dropped. About, about that, yeah. uh, I know, but let me tell you. As excited as I am for uh, Avengers Endgame, and I, I battled my way into getting tickets for opening weekend, Star Wars, I am going to be... It's going to be the Battle of Hoth trying to get opening weekend <laughs> tickets for that one. Because this is it. This is the end of the Skywalker saga. So yeah. I, I don't even want to guess what's going to happen, but no, let me tell you. I'm kind of going into it with an open, open mind. I mean, obviously the... The Last Jedi was very polarizing. Personally, I enjoyed the movie, but I know a lot of people didn't. <laughs> uh, I am in the same boat with you, man. Yeah, I just feel like I I tried my best to avoid all of the the fan theories without going too far into Star Wars here on a baseball show. But I, I tried my best to avoid all that kind of thing when it comes to Star Wars because there's just so much. And obviously, when yeah. Disney took over Lucasfilm, they scratched a bunch of old stuff from the canon and have kind of been going their own way, which which is fine. I mean, we've seen how many different fantastic four movies now and they all <laughs> kind of start over from the beginning <laughs> each time and they yeah, all suck but i mean it's annoying but we're gonna yeah. be getting another uh origin story for the fantastic four sooner than later oh my god because yeah disney plus that was the big news this week in entertainment yeah, disney november plus announced their launch and jesus 699 uh american i mean look i'm not a disney shill but i'm getting it It'll be. 100%. It's gonna have some interesting original shows, especially on the Marvel and Star Wars sides. And I hear they're gonna have National Geographic on there too, which is kind of cool. So, um, looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah. I I wouldn't say that National Geographic is like the thing that's gonna get me to to buy it, but I think <laughs> what's exciting is the fact that Marvel, or like the Marvel branch of the Disney Infinity Gauntlet, is like. They're willing to invest time in these actors and actresses mm -hmm. and actually, like, had, give them, like, an opportunity to have their own shows. So, like, I know it's, like, some stuff's been announced. And, again, like, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody in case you haven't heard the news or whatever. But <laughs> I don't even know how this is going to work because, like, 
we don't even know what's going to happen in Endgame. Yeah, a lot of people it's, are saying like, like even uh, the the lead actor from Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, is like, I'm dead. I got snapped. I'm gone. Yeah, they're supposed to like, say that. I know, but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, maybe some of this isn't going to get undone. Yeah, we'll and see if it happens. does, what kind of implication is it going to have? And even then, if they undo it, that doesn't mean that they couldn't just die later in the movie. So, like, yeah. I am very nervous. Like, obviously, we shouldn't be too nervous about, like, I mean, obviously, a Spider-Man trailer's already dropped, right? <laughs> so, I mean, can't exactly pretend that he's not coming back, right? Yeah, true story. And we've seen Nick Fury in that. So, yeah. unless it's, like, a, a flashback or something like that. like Who knows? I mean, you know what I mean, I don't know what Marvel's doing, but the directors like, did say they use they've they've been using some unused movie footage in the trailers. So the stuff we've seen in trailers, like literally zero percent of it, could be in the movie, based on what they've said. So it could all be what, a farce. Like Avengers Endgame. Yeah, it's all. It could all be an elaborate lie. <laughs> oh man, that, you're making me nervous, man. Yeah, We're it's like just a two movie weeks away from this coming out. Yeah, two weeks from today, I'll be seeing it. So that's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, you've got oh, some man, you've got some but hockey you know news out there, I think, to talk about too, right? What's that? You have some hockey news you wanted to get to. Oh Q. yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, the Q, like the CHL playoffs are amazing. Yeah. Every year, uh, the whole country from coast to coast has an opportunity to cheer for their local uh, junior team or amateur. I don't know what they call, what they go by anymore, but they're I mean they're amateur players. Uh, they do get like a living stipend or whatever. But I mean the CHL anyway. The playoffs are underway. Yeah. The Q League playoffs are flying by, Justin, because there's not a lot of competition. Okay. So we we're seeing a lot of sweeps, and I noticed the WHL saw a little bit of that in the first round too, where teams are just getting dummied for nothing. 4-1 or whatever so it's like everybody's just waiting their turn to, to sweep <laughs> only to get swept the next time out like what's what's going on with the blades um the blades are playing the pa raiders who were between number one and two all year in the chl and the raiders took the first two games in pa uh, but the blades have fought back they took game three one to nothing uh nolan meyer our goaltender really stole the show in that one and kirby doc had a great game uh, and then the Blades came back with a 4-1 win in Game 4 to tie the series up. So Game 5 is in PA tonight, actually. Um, and then Ooh. Game 6 will be in Saskatoon Sunday afternoon. Um, and, that, and that could decide the series. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight. But if, if the Blades can somehow pull off a, a win in PA, where the Raiders only lost, I think, three or four times at home all year. Uh, but the Blades wow. haven't lost at home since the beginning of February. So both teams are, are very elite on home ice. And it's it's went that way so far with the home team winning all four games. So we'll see if it's going to be the first team to win on the road is obviously going to take this series, probably. I mean, whoever wins tonight has the, the stranglehold. Yeah, isn't it weird, though, like the way that the CHL, some of the leagues, is it's kind of messed up that Prince Albert is playing Saskatoon now. Yeah. And, like, really, this is pretty much the finals because, like, these are the best two teams in the WHL playing each other. Yes, yeah. And... What one of them is going to get bounced in the second round, and that's a shame. What's well, same with the NHL like, too, right? I mean, we we see Toronto and Boston playing in the first round, two pretty good teams. I mean, Toronto obviously faded down the stretch, but they're still one of the top ten teams in the league, and they have to play each other in the second round of the playoffs, or the first round of the playoffs. Sorry, and then we see a couple teams in the West getting that way too. With obviously the Blues have caught fire recently, and they're up one nothing on the Jets, and. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crappy the way it works out. I mean, in the old days it was always one versus eight, and now it it might not work out that way. I don't think I think like out of all the the series, because the, all the NHL playoff series have started too. Yeah. And if you look at it, I see a lot of teams that I don't think are capable of winning a, the series won the first game, and it's really weird. Like if you look at it, like Dallas. Beat Nashville Columbus beat Tampa Bay. and uh, St. Louis beat Winnipeg. Yeah, uh, who else? That Columbus game where they open. where they scored four straight goals to beat the Lightning, right? So I mean, I don't think yeah, Columbus, Columbus has any chance. Columbus, Columbus. <laughs> I mean, the Leafs yeah, looked real think... good uh, yesterday and against Boston, and they won. 
that game pretty pretty handily. On they played a great game five on five. Mitch Marner scored a shorty on a penalty shot, and yeah, they were all over the Bruins yesterday. Their their defense really shut down Boston's top line. That's the key to that series. Yeah, you know Boston got caught with its pants around its ankles. <laughs> they time. really thought that this was going to be not a cakewalk, but they weren't going to face uh, a tough. Toronto team and as much as I like to dog the the Maple Leafs and the fact that they have in my opinion below average defense and an average at best goalie they're still they have all the tools they need to beat Boston yeah it's like can they survive this this battle because I'm telling you Boston's going to come out and they're going to be super pissed the next game and I would not want to be Freddie Anderson I just feel like it's just going to be like a it's going to that that one in particular, that series is going to be a, like a, an absolute war. Oh yeah, yeah, it's scary. And then we also have the NBA playoffs starting soon too. Yeah, the uh, Raptors I believe the Raptors tomorrow. play tomorrow. Yeah, they open up. Uh, they play at 5 p.m. Eastern, and then the Leafs play at 8 in Boston. So it's going to be like a day of of playoffs tomorrow with with the NBA in the afternoon, and then hockey in the evening. It's going to be a pretty wicked weekend and then game of thrones comes back on sunday so it's kind of a crazy weekend so it's, it's an absolutely <laughs> bananas weekend the masters are and there's on. gonna be a lot of buck clenching yeah i am i saw tiger woods as a shot off the lead at the masters right now playing the second round so it could be a cool. it's a crazy weekend it's it's this is like the best week of sports um especially if you were an ncaa fan because obviously the the national championship was last weekend for the men's basketball tournament and then yep. we have the masters we've got playoffs in the nhl and the nba and baseball is in full swing now like it's it's a crazy time for sports it is crazy speaking of crazy justin yeah tell us who's in the news again it's happening toronto blue Jays. yeah our young number one prospect in baseball vladimir guerrero jr has begun his rehab he began the week in dunedin and he as of yesterday is with the buffalo bisons where he made an immediate impact in a loss, I should say. But he, his first at bat, he had a ringing double. He hit it off of the right center field fence in the gap, and then he backed that up with a massive three run shot, um, and also had a walk in the game. The Bisons did lose nine to eight. They were down eight one at one point before Vladdy and Anthony Alford, who also had a three run home run, uh, got the Bisons to tie it up before before uh, Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, which is a sweet ass name, uh, took the lead and, and held on for the win. Um, the experts are saying, Patrick, that Vladdy may debut at home against Kevin Pillar and the San Francisco Giants on April 23rd, or the Oakland A's come the 26th, or he could even debut as late as April 30th when my sister and I will be in Anaheim to watch the Jays take on Mike Trout and the Angels. Um, what's your take on when he'll be up and do you think it'll be in April? No, I don't think it will be in April, you and I'm not just mouth. saying that because I <laughs> want to spite you, spite you for being in Anaheim on the 30th. I wouldn't. I obviously like if if he's going to debut, it's going to be on the road because the circus that comes with him debuting at home is just way too much. I agree. It's not worth it. Uh, so what I think is going to happen is they're going to debut him on the road. And even though, like, he's obviously hitting the crap out of everybody in Buffalo right now and it's it's looking like he's ready to rumble, I think – I'm thinking the Mace, the sixth series against uh, the Twins is the best. It's either going to be then or Anaheim, which is bananas because remember way back when when uh, we – you first found out you're going to Anaheim. <laughs> uh, we thought, wouldn't it be nuts if his uh, debut, debut got delayed that late? And obviously, there's a timetable they have in mind. Yeah. They're already past the point of uh, service time. Service time, time ends are, today past- is the last day because the Jays are 4-9, and nine, so in theory they could have called him up today because it's, it's game 14, so that would take them below the 150-game threshold. So today would have been the earliest he could have been up with service time. Yeah, and- and, uh, yeah, and, like, he obviously wasn't going to come up right away because he's just getting over that oblique strain. Yeah. And they definitely still want him to continue to work on his defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was exactly just, like, a shill answer where they were trying to protect themselves from criticism 
uh, about uh, service time manipulation. Because to be honest with you, if the Jays are going to face criticism for that, so are the Cubs, so are the Braves, yeah, everyone so are it. the Yankees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, like, it's just, you know, shout out to the teams that, that just said, you know, screw it. F it, we're going <laughs> to do it. Yeah. I think that's great, especially a team like the Padres, who this is like their opportunity to really sh- uh, send some shockwaves through that division because obviously uh, San Francisco is on the wrong side of a rebuild and Colorado it looks terrible. So yeah. this this is it. Strike while the iron is hot. I mean, Vladdy has he's DH'd his first three or four rehab games. He's supposed to play third base tonight. So it'd be the first time actually yeah. playing in the field. Um, just published 10 minutes ago, uh, Ross Atkins was asked today when he sees Vladdy coming up, and he says, our sense is that it's sooner rather than later. For a player that has as much as – for a player that has played as much as he has uh, and it's had as much success as he has, now it's about getting built up and getting into regular season form and hopefully being ready to make a debut at some point soon. So make of that what you will. Uh, but it sounds like – they want to make sure that when he comes up, it's to stay and that he doesn't do what many top prospects have done and, and kind of scuffle it his first time in the major leagues and have to go back to AAA for a month yeah. or two. So, I mean, good on the Jays for, I guess, making sure that he's ready. And obviously, with the, with without the injury um, happening, Vladi would have had a full spring training and presumably would have opened the season in AAA. And now that AAA is six games into their season, he would have been pretty close to ready if not well past ready i mean we see cavabigio having a great start to his season in AAA, and there's even people calling for him to come up because we have a few guys on our roster that are struggling at the middle infield and outfield spots right now but that's a topic for another time i don't want to get into that too much but it sounds like the team sees vladdy coming up soon but there's also the problem that he is not on the 40-man roster yet so when when vladdy is called up they're gonna have to make room for him on the 40-man and then who from the current roster is is sent down or and or DFA'd. I mean, we've got a couple of guys we just acquired in uh, Socrates Brito and Alan Hansen, who, um, in my opinion, haven't done anything to impress me. Um, so I mean, those those are probably the two most glaring choices to be either sent down or DFA, depending on what their option situation is. What are your thoughts? Man, it's a hard decision to make because, I mean, it was hard enough already just trying to get the 40-man ready for opening day. And mm-hmm. now we've got the quandary of Vladdy. And if they're thinking about calling up Biggio as well, it's Biggio's not on the 40-man either. Exactly. Yeah, no, he's not. Ugh, I don't know. This is <laughs> tough because um, is Socrates Brito on the 40-man? They have to be to, play in, to be on the 25-man roster, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, it's going to be him or Alan Hansen mm-hmm. because I think this was like their, they had like a limited window where they would be able to get these guys into uh, regular season play before the roster really locks down because obviously Vladdy was coming this season. Um, I don't, I think they'll suppress Kavan for another season and then a couple weeks into the next season because Kavan is slowly becoming that another top, you know, 20, top 10 prospect in MLB. He's like, his hitting has, has changed so dramatically since his first uh, year of minor league ball. I, I got to say, whatever he is doing in the off season or like on his off days, he must be like channeling the, the like magical powers of his dad because he just, <laughs> He's got his dad's ability for contact, but he also has tons of power. It's I feel crazy. Like, I feel like um, he he really embraced this whole launch angle revolution uh, a couple a couple years ago, like going into last season, where we saw him really hit more line drives and more fly balls. Which, if you believe the everyone who does it, they say it creates more home runs, and obviously we've seen that from him um, so far this year and and last season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, let's uh, let's put a pin on Kavan <laughs> yeah, Biggio because that's that. it's a whole new level of like frustration when it comes to figuring out the forty man roster. <laughs> Vladdy alone is already going to prove to be a quandary in yeah. itself. Um, the other guy, uh, in the and news, then on top of that, yeah, Clay Buckholes. Um, 
who is on the disabled list currently, but they're going to have to make some room for him. That shouldn't be too difficult. I mean, it seems as though we'll, we'll see something tonight because he's, he's going to start tomorrow. Buckles will make his Jays debut tomorrow against the Rays uh, tomorrow afternoon. So we'll see what happens yep. when he gets activated. Uh, he's, he's already on the 40-man, I believe. So it shouldn't be too much of an issue, but we'll have to move somebody off the 25-man roster. So somebody's going to be going down, whether it be somebody from the bullpen or or a position player. That remains to be seen. But my question for you, I've got two regarding Buckles. One, what are your expectations for him? And two, does the guy whose rotation spot he's currently going to take, Clayton Richard, does Clayton Richard ever pitch for the Blue Jays, or does he just kind of get DFA'd when he's ready to go, to ready to go again? Uh, Clayton Richard might pitch for the Jays, but it'll only be in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think eventually he is going to get DFA. There's just no space for him anymore. Everybody, he's already been surpassed by, uh, even Trent Thornton, Trent even Thornton. though Thornton gave up a massive home run to Austin Meadows in the first <laughs> inning of tonight's game and Tampa is up one, nothing. Um, Thornton has already proved that he is MLB ready. There is no reason for him to go back to AAA. He's not going to learn anything down there anymore. Uh, except maybe kind of establish a bit of endurance as far as, like, logging innings. Um, I, I just don't know. I I find the rotation, I feel like it's been handled very oddly. It's quite or maybe strange. they just didn't. Sorry? It's quite strange, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird, though? Like, I didn't expect Trent Thornton to be good this year, and he is good. Like, he's been playing well. And... Every other spot is locked down, so like I'm just really confused. Like, are we gonna end up going with an opener, or are we gonna go with like, uh, <laughs> a, I don't know, like a six-man rotation, or? Um, it's gonna be interesting once once all of these guys are healthy. It'll be we'll have to see what we do, but yeah, it's definitely curious. And in my opinion, I don't know if Clayton Richard ever pitches for us just based on the the conundrum that we're in, but we'll see what happens. That could be. His spot on the 40-man roster can end up being Vladdy's spot. We'll see what happens here if, if they don't want to send down or get rid of Brito or Hansen, which would kind of baffle me personally. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, well, hold on now. Like, do Brito and, and Hansen, do they have options? They may. I mean, based on how they're playing, I don't know why you'd want them. I was looking back at their stats today, and neither one – has done anything even in the minors in a, in a few seasons. These guys have kind of just plateaued and, and fizzled out as well below average players. And, yeah, it seems just yeah. kind of pointless to keep them around. It sucks, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> and, the, I mean, thinking about what the Jays are going to do uh, is one question, but another one is how did they do? So, Justin, yeah. Uh, Walk us through the last week. How did the Jays do? Well, it's kind of a strange week. We've had a couple of off days even in between the games in Boston. But when we last talked, the Jays were playing the second game of the series with the Indians. And they ended up losing all four of those games. And they also came close to setting a franchise record for strikeouts by the batters in a four-game series. They struck out 57 times in four games, Patrick. The franchise record was set in 2017 against Houston. Um, and that was 61 strikeouts in a four-game series. And one of those games in that series went to 14 innings. So in five less innings of baseball, the Jays managed to strike out only four fewer times in this series than they did against Houston. Um, we've talked a ton about the amount of strikeouts that the Jays have have been under the season. I mean, this season has been brutal for strikeouts. The, op- the offense just hasn't really been able to not only lay off tough pitches but to hit the high fastball opposition pitchers have been striking us out on on fastballs right at, at the top of the zone or just above and it's it's it seems like there's going to be need to be some adjustments that were made uh what are your thoughts on the the staggering amount of strikeouts in that series i mean we kind of knew that there were strikeout problems <laughs> on this team i mean when your lineup includes billy mckinney and tiosca hernandez and randall grichuk and lourdes guriel and yeah, I mean, and, like, up to a point, like, the idea of us uh, conceding between 10 and 16 strikeouts a game mm-hmm. 
just kind of seems normal for us now, which is bad because oh, it's like every, everybody is trying so hard to hit that jack. And the only one who's been able to do it without looking like an asshole is uh, Rowdy Telez every, and Freddie Gal- Freddy Galvis. Um, <laughs> not Galvis. And um, it's just like, I, I don't know what to say anymore because like everybody's trying to rip the ball 450 feet. And a lot of these guys... They should be focusing on, you know, just making medium or hard contact without trying to tear the cover off the ball. Like, right, we'll get into the who's hot, who's not. Yeah. But there's there should be some really embarrassed uh, regulars on this roster right now. And the Cleveland series, it just goes to show, like, even Cleveland, I don't consider Cleveland a contender anymore. I think their window is closing rapidly. And the fact that they dummied us that bad. I mean, they're eight and four. If they, mm-hmm. if you didn't count the games against the Jays, they're a 500 ball club. And they're doing that without Francisco Lindor right now as well. So exactly. So like, they're they're not that great. And yeah. like, we played a Tigers team that's not that great. And the Tigers right now are eight and five. And we play. You know, we, we played a horrible Red Sox team, and the Red Sox have the same record as we do. Um, but, I mean... <laughs> as we all predicted. I, I, yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> on one hand, I'm not surprised the Indians swept us, but at the same time, like, after the start to the season, I thought, eh, we split the series against the Tigers. We're probably going to be fine for a little while, or we'll at least compete because the Red Sox and the Yankees were suffering, and they still are, which is nice to say. But how did we do against Boston? We we managed to spoil their home opener where they got their World Series rings. I didn't watch any of the pregame festivities. I don't care an iota about Boston. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that they were able to take at least one game, and that's the game I wanted to take was that home opener and the and the ring ceremony and all that stuff. And just they uh, they managed to hit off Chris Sale, but nothing that they really did. There was not too many hard contact hits that were coming off of Sale. It was a lot of like just looping singles, which I'm totally fine with. Um, he only struck out three Jays batters over his five innings that he was in the game, and I mean. We managed to get five runs off of a Cy Young winning pitcher. And Galvis, Gritch Daddy, Guriel, and McKinney all clutched a couple of hits. And there's a bunch of stealing going on. There was some thievery. Not only was the game stolen, but uh, Galvis had a steal a third. Teoscar stole a second. And Lourdes Guriel Jr. stole home, like a straight steal of home. Chris Sale was working in the windup with, with Guriel on third base. And obviously, with Sale being a lefty, he was not really looking at Guriel. And he was about halfway down the line before. Um, Sale even realized what was happening and he threw the pitch slash throw to home to the backstop and Griel slid in safely. It was it was quite exhilarating actually. It was uh the best the highest moment of the current season. Yeah, the thing out of everything that happened in that series against uh the Red Sox, the two things that stick out to me are the fact that we saw Lourdes Guriel steal home. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to see him actually like get to do something because <laughs> he's had such a rough start to the year. Yeah. The other thing that stood out to me was Ken Giles blowing the save. Yeah. He didn't look good. Man, you know what? I understand that Giles blew that save, but did you did you watch the whole game that game too? Uh, I started watching. I watched the first like two innings and then okay. I watched the last like four. So, so you, like the you middle missed... part of the game, I was like doing something else. You I don't missed a colossal screw up in in the outfield. Um, there was a Mookie Betts in the top of the third, led off the inning or the bottom of the third. Sorry, um, and he hit like a routine lazy fly ball into the gap in in right center. Uh, Grichuk and Socrates Brito were both closing on it. And you could see Gritchell calling him off, but Brito just kept coming and coming. And Gritchell saw him in the last second and kind of looked away from the ball for a second. And the ball glanced off of his glove and, and allowed Betts to reach base. Um, that was the lead off the inning. So right away you have an error to start an inning and you have a guy on second base. Sanchez got a got an out. And then um, J.D. Martinez, who is one of the toughest outs in baseball, doubled and Betts scored. So 
and that was the first of three runs in that inning. Uh, Rafael Devers double in Martinez, and then Dustin Pedroia single in Devers. And also, all three of those runs ended up being unearned because bets should have never been on base. <laughs> so you, you have to feel bad for Aaron Sanchez in that moment because not only does a guy induce a lazy fly ball off of the reigning American League MVP, but then he goes and strikes out much more. So you, you should have had two quick outs in that inning. And even if Martinez doubles, then Bogart's lined out, which would have been the third out. And so there was only two outs. So, I mean, it's tough, tough for Sanchez to have to have that brutal. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember what the feel, what the feeling is a version of a two blind is, but uh, the, uh, the a fart slam. Yeah. The fart, the fart slam. That's the one. <laughs> There's a what's definite the, what's fart, the fart slam. slam again. What's I don't the remember. Fielder allows runner to score or in this case, reach base like a moron. <laughs> oh so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That slam. was definitely there a, was fart a colossal slam. fart slam to start that inning. And I mean, I felt bad for Aaron Sanchez and the Jays were up they had just scored five runs in the, in the top half of that inning. So you really felt bad for Sanchez who came out for that inning and was looking pretty good. And that just really ballooned his pitch count and he was only able to go five innings, but it's, it sucks. I, I don't really attribute that game to Ken Giles. He should never had to close that game out because the Jays should have been up five, nothing after three instead of up five, three, my opinion. What, what did you think of the controversy behind the rowdy Tellez home run? Everybody thought oh. it had hit. <laughs> the uh the number there the um it was, was it the number, number four, four yeah. i think it was I, yeah and people were like that was a 505 foot home run and people were talking about how it uh broke, broke the, the impossible yeah the impossible seat or whatever it yeah. was the ted williams one by about three i, feet, I but... was watching the game and i i just like right away i was like because when the announcer were talking they were talking like does it have enough to get out and then people are saying it's a 505 foot home run i was like if it, if it had enough to if it had just enough to get out, I don't think it went 505 feet. I mean, you look at the replay, you can see just how high Rowdy hit it. Like the launch angle was way too high on that ball for it to travel that travel 505 feet. Um, Statcast still doesn't have the actual adjusted distance up, but ESPN and MLB.com distance has it somewhere between. 435 to 455 which is still a big home run um but nowhere near 505 feet it was it was too much of a moonshot to go 505 it was way too high up there was something like it just looked like it might have hit that four just the way that it looked just the way it came down yeah. uh, yeah like the people on the balcony didn't flinch no and normally if a ball is coming your way you're going to try to catch, catch it. it yeah i mean you're not going to try to kill yourself falling over the <laughs> balcony but, I mean, but like, you'll stand up right <laughs> like yeah but they just were just kind of like watching it come down uh, its trajectory drop down and i yeah. think that's what deceived people was that if it had made contact with that yeah uh, with the four that would have indicated i think like, would have trajectory would have been further <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a big but, home run nonetheless, but it wasn't a five oh five. Uh four hundred and forty something feet. It's not the longest of the season. Uh I think well Alonso hit a four hundred and fifty four foot bomb mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. So it wasn't even the longest home run of the day. It was it was one but, of the hardest hit home runs of the season so far. It was something like hundred and hundred and twelve or something was the exit velocity. I can't remember exactly where I saw it, but it was one of the harder hit balls. I think it was the hardest hit Blue Jays home run yet this season. So, yeah, and Giles didn't have his stuff at all that game. He was shaky. You're right. Yeah, and I, I thought that they brought the infield in and allowed Devers to bounce one over top of the second baseman. Uh, I uh, I didn't understand that, and then I was like, if you see your guy struggling that much, like after he walked, like the second guy I would have been like, all right, let's get him out and then bring somebody else in just because like, I know that would probably do more damage than anything, (laughs) but at the same time, like, are we trying to win the game or are we just going to let a a shaky pitcher, you know? Yeah. Hey, we, we, the game, we knew that Giles was going to blow a save. Eventually nobody is perfect forever. And he's, he closed out what was his first 34 saves as as a blue Jay. So, uh, or he had a, like that. Yeah, yeah, he had a 34 he's... save streak combining between his time with the Jays and Houston last season. So I mean, that's that's still very good. If a guy gets 34 saves in a season, he's considered a great closer. And, and Giles had closed 34 straight games. So, yep, uh, I he'll bounce back. 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say, it would be fair for people to objectively say Ken Giles is an elite closer mm -hmm. because you can't close 34 games in a row without being elite. Like, you just, it's not magic. Like, these guys, it's hard, and it's yeah. going to get hard with the three batter minimum. It will. You've got a rant for us now. Um, this one is something that kind of just cropped up. Um, I had posted a, a video in our in our, our Batflips Maple Dips group chat, and you kind of just you really took exception to this. So I'm going to let you take it away here, and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. Well, before we get to that, Austin Meadows just hit another home run <laughs> off of Trent Thornton. Thankfully, it was only a two or a one-run shot, solo shot. Sorry, uh, so it is two nothing off of two Austin Meadows home runs. My, he has two for two. My he fantasy team is loving the, this, even though like, it's just, against the Jays. <laughs> this is absolutely bananas to me. What's happening with Austin Meadows? And the thing is, like, you you might be upset at Trent Thornton for having already thrown forty pitches going into like the top of the third with no outs, but. At the same time, Austin Meadows is one of the hottest hitters in MLB right now. So, like, let's cut him some slack. Yeah, for sure. All it's, right. it's, it's almost 2 nothing. Rant away, Patrick. Listen, rant away. My rant this week is all about players being traded and the aftermath. It's mainly addressed to the players being dealt to other teams and then the teams that deal with the players. So, as I'm sure you're all familiar, Kevin Pillar recently... Uh, stated in regards to his new home in San Francisco the following, and this is a direct quote. Uh, I pulled this off of a Sportsnet article. <clears throat> so this is my Kevin Pillar impression. Uh, it was the most fun I've had on a baseball field this year, and coming in after a win to see this environment was something I haven't experienced in all my years in the big leagues. So that's extra motivation to keep winning some games. Uh, and then he was asked for a clarification of what he meant by the environment. And Pilar just straight up said, you got, you see guys genuinely happy for each other. There's no one who's feeling sorry for themselves after shoveling uh, at the plate a little bit, or maybe not getting some outs on the mound. Stuff like this pisses me off a bit because it feels like a small amount of dredging muck from the clubhouse of his former team. It's not necessary. And Pilar is attempting to generalize all of his former teammates and, and try to speak for them when he says these things. It's kind of lame. And while I understand wanting to look towards the horizon uh, and a new beginning on your new team and be excited for that environment, especially when you're about to become a free agent, it makes sense to, you know, pick up the pom-poms and be a cheerleader for your team. Uh, if it wasn't for the Jays, Pilar wouldn't have an MLB career. And he should really just focus on saying nice things instead of like taking these little digs at his former teammates and uh, whatever player culture they had behind doors. To his credit, he uh, the next day or the day after, he did put out that uh, one-page thing uh, in Toronto, just thanking the fans and all that stuff. And that's fine, but it's just it left a sour taste in my mouth thinking about the fact that he would say this stuff about the only team he's ever played with. It diminishes his uh, his legacy with the Jays a bit, in my opinion. And again, I'm not saying this to defend the club uh, because, and say that you know they're not above criticism when it comes to failing to keep a good team together and, and pursue players that would have helped keep the Jays uh, and their window open a little bit longer than it was because I think we all would have hoped that we could have kept a playoff streak going until Vladdy arrived, but it didn't happen. I do want to say though, I'm equally not fun when teams and their represent uh, when their teams and representatives say shitty things about players who've been traded. So when I say that, I'm talking about GMs or coaches who might have had beef with a player. Uh, the best example that I could come up with when I was thinking about this and the rant was. When Boston Bruins then GM Peter Chiarelli, the master of terrible trades, uh, <laughs> made some comments about the professionalism of Tyler Sagan in the media. Do you remember that? Way back in like 2013 yeah. when they dealt it? Yeah, I do. It was, it was like 
way to shank him while he's going out the door. Like he got dealt to Dallas. Uh, they no longer have anything that they uh, got in that trade for him anymore, which means they they basically got nothing because they haven't won anything since then. Um, ultimately, Karma swung back at Chiarelli, and then he became the Edmonton GM, and he dealt Taylor Holland, one of the worst trades I have ever seen. And uh, Karma swung back, and he got fired, and now he doesn't have a job, and he, you know, good for Edmonton, because um, he pretty much ruined the franchise for the last couple of years. And, I mean, look, man, when you're a bad GM, sometimes you only get one or two bites at the apple before your pro career is done as a GM. So this kind of leads me to uh, an open letter to professional sports teams and the players who play for them. <clears throat> Dear players and teams, stop shanking each other with shitty comments after the trade is done. It's scummy and a bad look to complain about the team or player you are moving on from. Just be classy about it, uh, and don't spoil what, at least on the surface, could have been a business professional relationship. Uh, it burns bridges and leaves a sour taste in the mouth of fans. Don't do it anymore. Stop it. It's it's not junior high. You're not a 13-year-old. You're an athlete. You're a businessman. Don't do it. It's just don't don't sink to a new low. I don't like it. Justin, what are your thoughts? I'm with you there. I mean, it just doesn't seem like, I mean, it's the same thing as somebody, if you, if you leave a job and your boss then provides you with a shitty reference or something too, right? I mean, most of the times when people leave jobs, it's because they're moving on to an opportunity that is better for them. And it's, it could be said the same, same could be said for, for players who are traded. They, it didn't work out where they were, but that doesn't mean it's not going to work out for them in their new environment. Maybe Kevin Plyer will work out for San Francisco. Maybe Socrates Brito will eventually work out for the Blue Jays. Um, it, it, it doesn't make any sense for teams to badmouth former players, current players, former GMs for that matter either. It's just, just don't do it. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't make you play better. So why bother? Yeah. I mean, like, I know I'm nitpicking because like, obviously I had, I, I don't like Kevin Pilar as a player at this stage in his career. And even though like he's done lots of tremendous things and I feel bad cause Clayton's not here to defend him. I still think what he said was not very classy, which is weird because he has done some classy things in the past that make me think that he's a better person than that. And maybe his intention wasn't to spurn the Jays, but more rather to praise the culture that uh, the Giants have. What Perhaps. do you think there? Like, yeah, that could what be do you something. think about Pilar as a, as a classy individual? Would you I, say he's classy? I honestly, I didn't really. When I when I said when I found that video on Twitter, I didn't really think. I didn't really care. Personally, I, like I said when we did our episode last week, I've I've moved on from Kevin Pilar. I was ready to move on from Kevin Pilar before we before we moved on from Kevin Pilar. So at this point, um, it's not even really worth it for me to even talk about him <laughs> in my opinion he's gone and, yeah. and he's in he's in San Francisco we'll see him in in a week when the Giants come to Toronto and after that we may not see him again for a few years depending on when the Jays play the Giants again so I don't I'm, yeah, I'm just or, over it or even if he finds a home in free agency yeah true story yeah so, I'm, I'm over it <laughs> not to get too dark but yeah I mean maybe maybe this was just like a hot button thing for me because I naturally dislike what Kevin Pillar represented, which was a decline in the Jays. Um, and I wasn't really fond uh, of him after uh, he made those unfortunate comments on the field. Uh, you guys know what I'm yeah. talking about. We don't need to get into it because it's, it's water under the bridge. He's apologized for it. But maybe don't say stupid stuff you can't take back and that's all so anyway all that being said let's get well, into let's go the back who's to hot, yeah. who's not. let's go back to yeah to let's the talk actual, about the actual Jays. the team the guys who are on the team yeah the, the hitters we'll start with hitters who have been hot over the past week i mean nobody really in baseball has been harder than freddie galvis to start the season uh this past week he had 10 hits and 21 at bats and three of them were home runs hit a couple of doubles he's stolen a base driven in six he's batting in the two hole right now which 
if you had told me at the start of the year that Freddie Galvis would be our batting in the two hole halfway through April, I probably would have laughed at you because Freddie Galvis has always been a seven, eight, nine hitter in his career. So for him to be producing like this, it's, it's welcome. I mean, we're not going to say that we don't want Freddie Gallus to do well, but it's it's definitely a shock. What are your thoughts on the way Freddie started the season? Uh, I mean, I was really critical of how uh, <laughs> bad his spring was. And it makes me happy, though, that he's actually out there tearing the cover off the ball because somebody has to do it. Somebody has to bat over 200 on this team. And I mean... Oh, the bats have been so bad to start the year that like we need something, but but Freddie has been everything we could have possibly asked him to be in more. Like you said, who's hotter? Maybe Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike. Maybe Trout's Austin incredible. Meadows. Tim, Tim Anderson's batting over five hundred for the White Sox right now, but um, his BABIP is like six forty. It's a little bit unsustainable. <laughs> yeah oh yeah that, that, i mean even what freddie is yeah doing right obviously now, yeah 1.476 ops that was in one week too i mean guys can do that in a week but over the course of the season freddie gallows isn't going to hit above 300 no he's going to hit although i would have said he would have hit 240 for the year it's looking more like he's going to settle in closer to 260 or 270 yeah, it's which possible is um, another guy we've Which, been critical about, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had himself a decent week. He only had 10 at-bats, but 12 plate appearances. He did have two walks. Um, he had three hits in his 10, 10 at-bats for a 300 average. Stole, he stole home against Boston. Um, yeah. He did start the season out pretty slow, so hopefully we see more weeks like this from Lourdes. I mean, we all kind of hoped that he would hit between the 280 and 300 range, so this could turn out to be a typical week for Lourdes if he can if he can actually live up to the the potential that we all see in him yeah I mean good for him for he just like he just played really well Mm -hmm. uh offensively at least I am starting to get more concerned about his defense he's got Freddie teaching him stuff which is obviously incredible and that's exactly what we need so i don't know what strom's talking about when he says there's no veteran leadership <laughs> freddie Galvi- galvis is out there doing stuff what has marcus stroman been doing has he been mentoring the young pitchers on the jays yeah he, 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 he took it he took them out in schedule? cleveland for to go shopping him uh it was uh, i think it was thornton and pannone or something like that he had posted a picture of them out shopping he took he took the rookies out shopping so that's that's good two of them anyway yeah that's something they do every year in april yeah uh like when he was he when he was a kid it was burley Burley. and dickie uh and uh yeah i think it was was it burley mark burley Burley used to do that all the time kids out to get their first suit yeah he would always take him out whenever the team was in new york um to go suit shopping in, in in new york and he would take the rookies out and buy them all suits um, Man, talking about Mark Burley, isn't it weird? It's like it feels like a thousand years ago. It does we had seem like a while ago. Um, we miss you, Mark. Hope Ugh. you're doing well. <laughs> uh, two more guys quickly here that that had good weeks. Billy McKinney. Um, he did strike out seven times, but he also hit 294, a couple of doubles, scored a few runs, and then Rowdy Telez obviously had the um, the big home run against Boston that everyone thought was was bigger than it was. It was still a big home run. Um, he collected three hits and 11 at-bats with a couple of walks and, again, seven strikeouts, but that's Rowdy's a power hitter. Billy McKinney is not. Um, on a whole, it was definitely a better week for about half of our team when it comes to batting. I mean, Justin Smoke missed some time with that with his neck tightness, and he um, has played. He only played in two games this week, collected a couple of hits, including a home run yesterday. So, uh, yeah. on a whole, I mean, obviously we won a game. <laughs> which is great against Boston. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to be a tough series. And then we have Oakland or no, sorry, not Oakland. Who comes, where do we go after? I can't remember who we play, but it's going to be, it's not even really worrying. No point in worrying about who the Jays play. Cause we're probably going to lose more games than we win. So I'm just kind of living it one day at a time. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, to the who's, I, I'm still upset about getting swept by Cleveland. After the Rays, we're going, we're hitting the road. uh, Or no, we're not. We're staying at home. What am I talking about? We're staying at home. uh, So we got three games against the Rays. Rays. Monday, we start a four-game set against the Twins of Minnesota. Right. And then we hit the road 
Uh, no, we don't hit the. We road. have the. We're we have the. Uh, we have a big homestand now because we have the Giants yeah, and then right. Oakland, right after that. I keep forgetting we are just on the road for a ton. It so, seems like we yeah, were on the road got... for a long time because we had those. We had some awkward off days around that Boston series. Yeah, it was just weird. On Their end. Schedule is weird this yeah. month. It always is in April. Um, but moving into the who's not, Randall Grichuk had a, a bad week. Um, <laughs> he had 20 at bats. He's really the him and Freddie Gallus are really the only guys who are playing every day right now, and he didn't strike out as much as as Billy McKinney, but he struck out six times. <laughs> he only collected a couple of hits, um, three hits I guess. A 150 batting average this week. Yikes! Uh, not great. I mean. It's it's terrible. I mean, Tasker Hernandez is in the same boat. He collected only two hits this week, and then uh, Richard Urania, who was off to a a fiery start, batting over five hundred, has now fallen back to being Richard Urania and hit one twenty five this week. Uh, any of those other guys on that list stand out to you as guys who had terrible weeks besides those three? First of all, don't you dare impugn the name of Richard Urania. <laughs> uh, I take every is, chance I, I get. I know that he has fallen way off our depth list as far as our top prospect <laughs> go but just like we gotta cut him some slack he still batted 293 last year in 30 something games like we can't just like i'm not gonna shit on him because he had he went one for eight this week yeah. like i mean well you could shit on brendan Dre for going one for 18 if you want oh and i fully <laughs> plan on uh, but, but that being said like i can't be I'm not going to get into the habit of starting to grade these guys on the curve, but, like, I'm not going to go after Danny Jansen this week. Uh, Randall Gritchuk, let me ask you a question about Randall Gritchuk. At what point do you does your, your upper lip start to sweat a little bit thinking about that contract he just signed? Is it way too early to be concerned? Yeah, because he's a, he's he's been striking out like mad, man. It's it's about two years two years too early to worry about that contract. <laughs> it's a five year deal. It's he's gonna he's yeah, around I, for a while unless he's traded, but assuming he I stays mean, at the Jays, I'm not really too worried about it. It's one. It's week. just frustrating because like we're already down five nothing tonight to Tampa. Uh, suffice to say, uh, Trent Thornton's day is probably done. He's already given up three home runs. He's probably going to be the one <laughs> that ends up going down. <laughs> Could be. Triple A. That was funny how defensive I was at the start of this episode. <laughs> now all of a sudden. How things have changed in half an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, although the Jays have only uh, struck out three times so far. It's the third uh, inning, against, Patrick. Uh, this, like, opener, <laughs> weird, reverse. Fuck Tampa for doing that. <laughs> stupid. Um, let's move on to the it's pitchers well, since you're talking about Trent Thornton. Who's been hot oh. this this past week, Patrick? Uh, well, let's not talk about Trent Thornton anymore because obviously <laughs> this week has gone into the shitter. Um, but he had a great debut. He did fan seven, which was yeah, the Jays' two, rookie debut record. Two so great starts, him. yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's about to get sent back down to AAA, though, after today. Um, <laughs> Matt Shoemaker is starting to impress me. He is like Mr. Consistency. Yeah, he had he had a good start. He went out. Uh, he did give up a couple walks. He did give up uh, a pair of bombs, but they were they were just solo shots, from what I recall. Yeah, and... he had a couple errors on the defense that led to a, he gave up four runs and only two were earned. So the defense didn't help. Yeah, him out. like I, I don't even have to look it up to know that Gurriel was probably a part of one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna actually. I think it, it may have been Shoemaker who did commit the error. Now that I remember. Uh, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. But I yeah. mean, like, Shoemaker and Sanchez feel like our most consistent starters right now. I know it's only like two or maybe three starts guys in the season, three starts, but I'm yeah. happy with what I'm seeing from them. I'm happy to see Tim Meza uh, pitched uh, four games and, th- you know, had three innings, six strikeouts. Didn't so walk Tim Meza's back. Yeah. He's back in my good favor. But uh, I definitely need to give credit for the starters because they're actually keeping things reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bullpen, on the other hand, not so much. It's kind of been a tale of, of two bullpens. I mean, we've got guys at the top of our list like Gaviglio, Guerra, Hudson, and Meza who all had great weeks, didn't give up any runs. And then we have guys at the bottom like Giles, Luciano, Pannone, and Biagini who struggled this week. 
Thomas Pannone, whatever you're doing, just well, stop it. He man. made get, that get start. He he started game four in Cleveland, but he only he only lasted three innings in that start. And I mean, yeah, um, he just looked like he couldn't locate his fastball. And to be a major league pitcher, you gotta be able to locate a fastball. We saw Sean Reed Foley when he made that spot start struggle to locate his fastball, and he's now back in AAA because he couldn't locate a fastball. Um, if we didn't have a pressing need for a second lefty in our bullpen, Thomas Pannonen would probably be in AAA because he too cannot locate a fastball. Um, be a genie. We we were pretty. We gave him a lot of praise last week for the way he started the year, but this week was was kind of rough for old Big Joe. We gave him a couple of home runs. Uh, Give us some more hits. I mean, he he struggled in his three games that he was out. He had one good one good outing and then two bad ones. Are you worried about Joe Biagini, or are we kind of just like Ken Giles had a bad game too? Do we kind of just like brush it off as as one bad time? Well, inevitably, Ken Giles' streak is going to come to an end, mm-hmm. and it was probably going to come to an end sooner than later because he's not Hercules. He's not immortal. <laughs> he's going to not be good at some point. Um, the I'm tired of the Elvis Luciano experiment already. This is gonna be a long ass year. Yeah. Um, I mean, like he he could pitch in garbage time, but like he's too young. He's too raw. He doesn't know. <laughs> it's it's tough to find that, garbage well, time when your team can't score doing, runs, right? Like, I mean, it's the Jays yeah, have a tough time. Like, <laughs> you can't like even Marcus Stroman like pitched six innings. Uh, didn't give up a home run, but he gave up, you know, three earned runs, took the L. Only walked one guy, though. I mean... Yeah, like, he just got his location. One back, less run, and, and that's a quality start. I mean, it's he didn't have a terrible start, but, I mean, if, if your pitcher can give up three runs over six innings, you've got a decent chance to win ball games if your offense isn't shitty. And our offense, our offense is very shitty right now. It, it just feels like everything is is doing the opposite of clicking. Like, yeah. if you look down the list of pitchers, uh, let's talk about, you know, like, Ken Giles uh, is having trouble with his location. Thomas Bonone's having trouble with his location. Aaron Sanchez is having trouble with his location, but he has his velocity back. Shoemaker's keeping the ball up too high. Thornton's keeping the ball up too high. Uh, Biagini's keeping the ball up too high. Uh, like, <laughs> it's just like... If it's not one thing, it's something else. Nobody is immune from this. Yeah. Everybody has been bad to different extents this year. Javi Guerra's uh, quietly had a good week. Pitched 3.1 innings, had four strikeouts in three games. So, like, it's like those guys all had bad first weeks, and now they're having great second weeks, and all the guys who had decent first weeks are now having bad. It's like everything is constantly backwards or mm-hmm. just going mm-hmm. not well for the Jays right now. And they're sitting at four and nine and it's look, the season's not over because Boston is behind us. We have the Yankees only have one win on us. They're five and nine. Baltimore is five and nine. Uh, Tampa is the one leading the division. And really it's theirs. Like you said uh, earlier in the week to me in our chat, it's theirs for the taking, but like our season's not over. Yeah. So, looking forward to this week, we've got the three games against Tampa, then we go on the road to Minnesota for four, and on the road to Oakland for three. Do you, How many games are we going to win? Because Oakland's off to a good start. The Twins are off to a good yeah. start. Um, the Tampa's obviously the best team in the AL East right now, and they're looking at like every bit like that tonight. So, how many games are Jay's going to win under the next... Uh, 10 games, <laughs> including tonight. It's scary to think about because they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 already. I think if we win three games, we'll be we'll be happy. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, all these games are at home. They don't go no, on the road. They're on, until... the, they're on the road. They're on the road this week. I'm looking at the schedule right now. They're, they have these three against Tampa. Sure? Oh, yeah. And then we're at Minnesota, at Oakland, and then they're back for San Francisco on the 23rd. That's weird, because then we're supposed to hit the road again, aren't we? Yeah, we, we, well, we have no, we have Minnesota and Oakland this week on the road, and then we have San Francisco and Oakland at home before they go back to LA. So they're kind of uh, making a one. They're making one random trip out to the West Coast after the after the they go see the Twins, and then they come back home 
to play a West Coast team, and then they play a West Coast team at home again before going back to California. <laughs> yeah, so Thornton walked Meadows in his third at-bat, and he got the yank. Sammy Gaviglio is in the game for us now. He's had a good start to the year, so I could see him getting out of this. The two base runners are Thornton, so honestly, yeah. who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> How many games are going to win this the Jays week, Patrick? Def- uh, in, in the next 10? Next 10. If we won... If we won three of our next ten, that would be an improvement statistically <laughs> based off of the last ten. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's just it's just bad. There are team we're gonna end up playing teams that are are off to better starts. Oakland's only nine and eight, by the way. They're yeah, not but lighting I mean, the world on fire. They have as many wins as we have losses. Yep. <laughs> A five hundred ball team is better than the Blue Jays. <laughs> but they're. They've also played 17 games while yeah. they've only played what, 13. 13. They or had 14. those. Oakland had those two in Japan, and they haven't had the weird off days that we have yet. So yeah, since since the opener series against Seattle, they've been really good because they got dummied by Seattle. Didn't yeah. They? Well, Chris Davis has nine home runs already. Something stupid. Six home runs. He's leading. He's got nine home runs or something stupid already. He's on fire. Um, yeah, he's going to finish the year above batting 247. It's not going to happen again. I don't know, man. He's done it four years in a row. <laughs> I know, I know. And like Consistency as, is key. As as satisfying as it would be, he's already like on pace to hit well over 300. He's going to have to have like a massive slump. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, like good for Oakland though, because like out of all the teams, they're the money ball team that everybody likes. So let's... <laughs> Let's see what they're, they're they've got fifty feet of crap to work with. Yeah, that's the understatement. Yeah, so like, but yeah, three. I say we're gonna win three out of ten games. Yeah, I would agree. Just, can you imagine though if we won seven out of ten? You know, Patrick, I can imagine it, but it doesn't mean it's gonna happen. <laughs> no, listen, like, okay, we're right now. What are we? We're five games below five hundred. Yeah. This is is this where you're gonna do like some sort of crazy math scenario, like how the Jays are still in it, like you tried to do last year? <laughs> yeah, well, it's early, so I mean, like if we if we went on a five game winning streak after tonight's loss, because this this game is over, uh, effectively. I hope um, they win this game just so that we have this on audio. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Jays are down five nothing to Toronto, top of the fourth. There's no out and two runners on. Sammy Gaviglio just jumped into the game. I'm not here to do commentary for the game, but sure let's, sounds assume, like <laughs> let's assume this one is over. Okay. Let's assume that this is an L. So the Jays are going to go to what? Four and ten? Yeah. So if we if we could just pump out, uh, you know, like a seven and three, you know, out of our next ten or whatever, you know. <laughs> It's that's pretty reasonable. You're perpetually a dreamer, Patrick, and I appreciate that about you. But I think you, that you are a little bit on the crazy side in this situation. Yeah, you're right. This team isn't <laughs> good enough to do that. Gaviglio just got the double play, but they're still losing by five runs. And with this, with this motley crew of batters that are all, Jesus Christ, the bottom like <laughs> six in our lineup are batting below 100. Yeah. Well, except for R- Richard the Cat Urania. So. <laughs> Richard the Cat, hey, that's where we're going. Uh, with let's them. not end this on a depressing note. Let's talk about something else. Let's let's talk about something actually enjoyable. Well, the Game of the perpetual joy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is coming up soon. That's the perpetual joy. Let's let's savor the fact though that this is the where these are the last days. Uh, of this long year-long wait we've been waiting for game of thrones to come back and now winter is here i don't know if if game of thrones is really a happy topic because everybody's gonna die (laughs) i don't know i'd be interested to see the vegas odds on whether or not they think everybody's gonna actually die because like someone's gotta live out of this right it's not just the series isn't just gonna end with a close-up of the night king you know hunched over the the uh the iron throne with a beer in his hand giving a sly smirk to the <laughs> that would be audience. i would love and that then, honestly if that happened that'd be great 
No, I mean, it's got to end with some sort of semi-satisfying nah. conclusion. Think of... I'm not saying everybody's going to live, but, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm all for it ending on a on a uh, non-crowd pleaser. <laughs> I mean, look, they all reap what they sow. So, like, in a way, it is kind of – it would be kind of nice to watch everybody who, you know, farted around and let this happen, you know, bite the biscuit. But, I mean, some of the younger – uh, characters don't deserve this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jon Snow's only ever done what he thought was right. Jon Snow. Jon Snow. You know <laughs> nothing, Jon Snow. Well, um, we probably know nothing about the Blue Jays, and that's probably a good a good thing because we are amateur podcasters. <laughs> oh yeah, with a capital A. A capital uh, A. <laughs> Hey, uh, I think I, I think this is I like think we'll uh, shut her down. yeah, this is like our forty seventh episode. Uh, we're we're approaching the halfway century mark, which is pretty pretty exciting uh, for us. Anyway, we started this thing last June, and it's it's already been ten months. So look at us; we're ten months into this thing, and we haven't given up yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> on, I mean, on that happy note, <laughs> uh, hopefully. I was thinking about this before we go. Listen, it's been almost. 50 weeks or whatever are we gonna celebrate at 50 or 52 i think we should celebrate whenever we do our first episode of june when it's actually like 12 months it's a 12 months yeah a year you wouldn't celebrate your 50 week anniversary with your girlfriend but you would celebrate a year (laughs) (laughs) yeah you'd have to be a really strange person to celebrate 50 weeks people are weird man that's all i can say yeah on, the, are weird. on that note, we'll have Clayton back with us next week, so we won't be so bad at this whole hosting thing. But it, it's been fun. I mean, we haven't done this. We've done a few episodes with just you and I before, and hopefully I figure out how to edit this this whole contraption so we can get this episode out soon. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make sure I save multiple copies just in the event that I really screw something up. But I'm on that note, yeah. For for Patrick Marsh and for an absent Clayton Croker, I'm Justin Anderson signing off from Batflips and Maple Dips, Season 2, Episode 14. See you guys next time.